pasta sauce and strawberry jam, tea and tuna. This is Mon Mon. And rice and coffee. Mon Mon is unpacking emergency food relief at her university campus in Sydney's north. Yes, I'm putting it in the suitcase so that I can carry it easily. So, yep. <laughs> Technique. Do you need a knife or you you got to keep those closed? You're, yeah, you got to take it. Macquarie students are snaked around food bank's collection point, waiting patiently in a socially distant queue. We're here with the team down here that are distributing international student hampers um, that we've put together with some funding from Treasury and Study New South Wales. Adam Loftus is the School Breakfast for Health and Agencies team leader for Food Bank. The best way to think of us is that we're the pantry for the, the charity sector and also for, for schools uh, recently. Demand for food relief services across the country spiked following the outbreak of coronavirus. So look, it increased considerably at the start. I mean, across the country, we were seeing about an 80% increase uh, on pre-COVID levels. In March, the state government announced funding of $2 million for COVID emergency food relief. The charity has been working with the New South Wales government to supply hampers across the state. So we have donors from all over the place. So we have uh, food manufacturers and distributors. Um, your supermarket chains also help out. We also purchase food. So if we're not able to get the food donated, we actually go out and purchase it, which is what we've done for the majority of the, uh, the products in the international student hampers. It's really about the basics for them. Um, you know, a, a, lot of, um, a lot of the students that I've spoken to work in hospitality or they're casual workers that have just been really impacted by, by the shutdown and by COVID. This is the second part of a two-part series of Think Sustainability, where we speak to those living in precarious housing situations. In part one, we spoke to public housing tenants. In this episode, we hear from some of the half a million international students trapped in Australia. You're listening to Think Sustainability. I'm Julia Karkatzel. Mon Mon introduced me to her friend along one of the campus's most scenic walkways, Wally's Walk. Every time I come on campus, I see a new animal, new bird. Yeah. I don't know what those yeah. are. I even see koala one time. Oh my yeah, koala. That's awesome. <laughs> my name is Rajendra Kumar. I'm from India and I'm studying Master of Management. I asked the pair if food in the hampers was enough to get them by. And that'll last you how long, do you think? Um, for two weeks. Okay. It's just the basics? Yep, just okay. the basics. If we are making pasta's dish, we need meat, right? <laughs> we need to go buy meat. <laughs> Rajan says food coupons from the university have complemented the food hampers. Vulnerable students are able to claim up to $250 in e-vouchers under Macquarie's support package. There's been... Uh, really helpful. Uh, we can buy the stuff that is not in the food hamper, so that's been really helpful. He says dealing with financial stress is one of the reasons he sought out the service. Skipping meals, yes, because it's just too much. There's too many things to do and too many things to think about. Classes being online and then there's uh, stuff outside that have to look after and go and do. Yeah, but it has been just too many things to deal with and that's the reason to uh, skip meals, I would say. 
The crucial thing about the pandemic is that it has really deepened the crisis for many international students. Alan Morris is a professor at the Institute for Public Policy and Governance at the University of Technology, Sydney. You may remember him speaking about public housing in part one of this series. A greater proportion of international students are now in dire circumstances. Prior to the pandemic already, a lot of students were really struggling, but a lot more students now are struggling. And uh, students who were struggling, they're struggling even more. So it's, uh, it's really um, a crisis for many. Alan took on the role as lead chief investigator of a sweeping report examining the experience of international students in Australia. The researchers asked over 800 students how their experiences of living and studying in Australia had changed because of the pandemic. Well, what we found, which was really quite shocking, is that um, close to 30% of students said they had gone without meals because of a shortage of money. I mean, that's quite incredible. 25% said they had pawned or sold something to get money. These stats really illustrate an enormous crisis out there. A lot of students really battling with very, very basic necessities, you know, food. Another nationwide survey of over 5,000 temporary visa holders found that 65% of respondents lost their job during COVID-19. International students are entitled to work 20 hours a week. That's part of, the, part of their visa agreement. And of course, a lot of students arrive and they have to work. They might have, the, you know, might have enough money to cover their fees, but the, in order to cover the rent and average and everyday living costs, they have to work. And a lot of them have either lost their jobs or their hours have been cut dramatically. So 45% of respondents said they had an income below $300. You know, if you've got an income below $300, you're living in Sydney or Melbourne, you're in very serious trouble because, uh, you know, you would have nothing left after paying the rent. And I should imagine in Melbourne now, with the stage four lockdown, the vast majority of those students would have lost their jobs. The other thing is that um, the support from families for many students has dried up or has declined dramatically because their families are also struggling. So they are very, very vulnerable now. A lot of them are in a very critical situation. Without work, students like Monmon Mon and Rajen have turned to state government welfare and university support. There are genuine stories here of hardship and things that many of us take for granted about having um, three meals a day, being able to buy a coffee if you feel like it, um, having a safe place to sleep at night. Kylie Herbert is the Director of Student Life at Macquarie University. They're also juggling the, the concerns of their studies, um, but also obviously their concerns for their families back at home. And they're very real as um, the pandemic goes across the world. So um, most definitely students in need here, but uh, unfortunately right across the state and the country, all universities are um, doing their best to support students through this time. Her focus over the past couple months has been to support students, facilitating the rollout of e-vouchers, grants and financial assistance loans. 
in our first session we were able to provide support to about 7,000 students um, and 75% of those students were international. Um, yes, we've provided uh, food, we've provided um, grants and loans and delayed payment of tuition fees, um, but we've also done some innovative things like a student employment program and we've signed students up for job rescue so that as casual positions become available, uh, we're helping them um, be in a good position to secure the work that they might have lost. Um, and we've also made a real commitment to employing students across our campus and have some exciting new roles. While Monmon and Rajen have the option to pick up food hampers supplied by charities and the state government, or take up a grant by their institution, they haven't had the option of turning to the federal government. International students do not qualify for federal government COVID-19 support packages. And while the JobKeeper subsidy will reach millions of Australians, newly unemployed casual and foreign workers are worried they'll be left out of the government's stimulus plans altogether. The federal government has allowed students to access their superannuation early. They have also extended the number of working hours for students beyond the original limit of 40 hours per fortnight. But a consistent message from the government has been to simply go home. And those who are in Australia uh, under various visa arrangements, they're obviously not held here compulsorily. Uh, if they're not in a position to be able to support themselves, um, then there is, the, uh, there is the alternative for them to return to their home countries. At this time, Australia must focus on its citizens and its residents um, to ensure that we can maximise the economic supports that we have. Rajen and Monmon say this isn't an option. Well, if you think from the Australian government side, might be the fair point, but for international students like us, we spend a lot of money to study here as well. But at least they should consider us a little bit. <laughs> so there's these tough decisions you need to make. Do you still stay here, continue your studies and struggle, or do you go back, let's say, to stay at home, but then you risk getting it while you're traveling? The quarantine which is much longer and especially in developing countries it's not as safe so you might actually get uh, COVID like during the quarantine itself. It's a tough decision to make and then government saying things like this is quite um, confusing but also a little disrespectful I would say. Alan says there are many reasons why students haven't left the country. Well a lot of students cannot go home because the borders are closed so that's number one. You know, um, a lot of countries, even even if you're a citizen, you can't get back. Secondly, um, it's very, very expensive. And a lot of students, you know, just don't have the means to return. And thirdly, um, a lot of students are very worried about going back and they're not being able to come back into Australia. They're still busy studying, you know, so they're very, they want to complete and they're concerned that... Um, that if they go back home, they could be disadvantaged. I mean, you know, quite a, a number did go back, but um, once the pandemic really set in, you know, from, say, May onwards, it became more and more difficult for students to go back. Many have criticised the government for their lack of support for temporary visa holders. They raised the same point, that international students provide a massive contribution to the economy and Australian cities by paying fees, creating jobs and spending locally. 
In the 2018 to 2019 financial year, international education created more than 250,000 jobs and contributed over $37 billion to the economy. Many have compared welfare systems in similar countries overseas, such as Canada, where international students can apply for an emergency response benefit, a payment of $2,000 in a four-week period. Well, I think the most shocking thing is that how these students have just been left to fend for themselves. And um, I think the federal government can do a lot more. The international students... Uh, contribute an enormous amount to the Australian economy and to Australian cities. You know, I think um, it's the responsibility of government to look after these young people. They are very, very vulnerable. And what they should at least be doing is giving them some financial support. And I think it's shocking that uh, there's absolutely no support from federal government. In terms of the universities, the universities, as we know, have been very, very severely impacted by their decline of in international students. So this is a very major industry which has been decimated. And in terms of loss in reputation, I think it will, you know, this, the lack of support will certainly, I think, impact on Australia's reputation as a go-to destination, which is a great pity because, you know, Australia's probably per capita the premier destination for international students. With no federal government support and without the option to go home, most students are trapped in the country. Minimal support from universities or state governments are literally offering a lifeline for these students. But they aren't even close to a solution. A $1,000 grant from Macquarie University is keeping Mon Mon afloat, for now. While Nepalese student Rojal says he feels torn between leaving or staying in his current accommodation. A five-week emergency accommodation option is on offer from the New South Wales government, but that would mean Rojal leaving his housemates in a tricky situation. I actually don't think, at, at least in my condition, right? That's not effective because we are already in a um, contract, right? And obviously I'm living with some friends. So just me moving out would hamper them, right? To pay the rent and everything. People who are already staying there, right? They need to find another roommate. And that's a difficult task in this situation, right? In this mm. pandemic. So maybe uh, like helping us where we are staying to some degree, like that would be a better help, I guess. Even with financial support, many students are struggling to pay the rent in student accommodation and the private rental market. A very worrying statistic is that one in five agreed that uh, with the statement that I feel I could become homeless. So that, that, is, that is very significant. Rent and tuition fees are their big expenses. 16%, so around about one in eight, said that they or maybe one in seven, actually, one in seven, said they were no longer able to pay the rent. Alan says only about one in five students in his study have successfully negotiated a rent reduction, and only one in six have reached an agreement with their landlord to defer payment of rent. Victoria's moratorium on evictions has been extended to early 2021, while New South Wales has extended its own for another six months. 
But despite this, Alan says one in ten have already been threatened with eviction by a landlord. Navigating the private rental market isn't a new struggle for international students. The big problem in Australia for international students is finding uh, affordable, decent, secure housing. It's a very big issue and a lot of students really battle with this. And I think it's a real problem that we expect, you know, these international students to come and then they've got to make their own way in this very, very expensive housing market. I mean, Sydney and Melbourne are amongst the two most expensive cities in the world for rent. Most students seek housing in the private rental market because student accommodation is too expensive. The problem in Australia is that there's very little purpose-built student accommodation. Only around about 14% of students stay in purpose-built student accommodation. Whereas in many countries, especially the US, of course, a lot of students stay in purpose-built student accommodation. And very often it's quite reasonable, it's quite subsidised. Um, so that, that is a real problem. Most students do not use the university to find their accommodation. They just do it themselves. Troubles can begin as early as the first search for accommodation when international students are exposed to deceptive practices. So what, they, what happens very often is that they'll respond to an advert on Gumtree or social media, they'll meet the real estate, they'll be shown the room in a share house or share apartment and they have no idea who else is living there. So it's a total gamble. They could be living with the most terrible people they just don't know, or people who are very, very untidy or, you know, very noisy. Overcrowding is common, with some landlords dividing up rooms within the property to accommodate more and more tenants, or the landlord moving extra people into the home without the student's consent. Students may not meet their housemates before moving in, or be upset to find that the house is in a poor condition, or looks different to photos posted online. international students have recorded wrongful eviction, being forced to pay for repairs, invasion of privacy, withholding of bonds, their landlord suddenly increasing the rent in the middle of a rental period, and discrimination. Students are especially vulnerable to deception and exploitation because they lack knowledge of their rights and standard housing practices in Australia. You know, it's very hard to work out what are your rights. It takes you quite, and it might take quite some time. You know, if you had to go and study in China, you know, what would you know about the laws in the private rental market? I, you know, I have absolutely no knowledge whatsoever. So a lot of the students are in this very, very, um, they're in a vulnerable position on that level. You know, they just don't know. They wouldn't know where to go either in terms of finding assistance, you know, from either Redfern Legal Centre or Tenants' Union or whatever. Redfern Legal Centre and the Tenants' Union of New South Wales are just some of the legal advice services students can use. But as Alan says, most are unaware of these options. Students who do not have a written agreement with the head tenant don't even have legal rights. 
they aren't protected by state tenancy law. International students often face barriers making claims and have limited exposure to affordable legal advice and assistance, including limited assistance from education providers. I think um, the universities clearly, students do complain about not having enough information. The other thing you must remember with students, which um, people tend to forget, is that any half of the international students in Australia are actually university students. You know, around about half are in vocational education and training um, or English language. Now, those education providers very often are quite small and um, they're not going to provide, housing is not an issue, you know, that they actually deal with. So their students are really by themselves. Alan says there's a role for universities to play to better educate students as to what accommodation they're signing up for before they enter the country. But he says there's not much of an incentive to do that. The universities don't want to paint a bleak picture, you know, which it is, because then the students will be, you know, go to Canada or, or the UK or the US. I mean, this is a global market. We're very, very competitive. And as we know, at this point, the universities are terribly, terribly dependent on international students. So they don't want to put out information which is too blunt, you know, saying that the private rental sector is very difficult and very expensive, etc. Policymakers say there is a need for coordination between education providers, councils and state governments to collate data, identify repeat offenders and properly warn prospective international students of Australia's rental market. They say regulatory reforms should aim to close legal loopholes and reduce procedural barriers that enable landlords to evade accountability. The private rental sector in Australia is, is uh, internationally, it's one of the most poorly regulated private rental sectors. In many other countries, the private rental sector is far more regulated in terms of, um, in terms of the length of the lease, in terms of the landlord's capacity to increase the rent, in terms of the landlord's capacity to um, evict people, etc. You know, the fact that, uh, for example, in Sydney, well, in, in New South Wales, there's no grounds, no grounds eviction. So in other words, once your, your lease ends, a landlord can evict you for no reason whatsoever. They don't have to provide any reasons, which is, un, you know, which, which in most countries is illegal. You can't do that. And um, all the landlord has to do is give you 90 days notice, you know, written notice, and that's it. So I think there's, a, there's a, obviously within the private rental sector, there's a lot of room for improvement in terms of regulation. So a university student in Sydney said, I think no one would even know if I died in my room if it wasn't for a month when my landlady would come and ask for rent. Other than that, no one would even know. Housing insecurity and financial and emotional instability has led to loneliness on a mass scale. But Alan's pre-pandemic survey on international students' experience suggests that loneliness has always been an issue among the students. We were very surprised. In the first survey, we found that loneliness was a big issue. I think what the pandemic has done, it's really worsened the loneliness. So we asked... Um, we asked whether you feel lonelier 
Since the pandemic, and 63% of students, nearly two-thirds, said that they felt lonely. So that's a very sad statistic. The stress around paying the rent and their drop in income is impacting a whole range of areas, you know. So the academic work is really, for a lot of students, has been severely affected. They're so worried about everyday life, you know. Every day is a struggle, and it's very difficult to focus on your academic work when you're not, you know, when you're worried about being evicted or where you're going to get your next meal from. It's, it's extremely difficult. Indian student Rajen says his lack of motivation has affected his studies. I don't have the same motivation anymore. And I used to have pretty high levels of motivation to actually learn and do stuff. I'm passionate about what I'm studying. That's the reason I'm here. But now the motivation levels dropped, but there's other students, their motivation levels dropped even more. So then as a whole, you just still get dragged down and you don't feel as good. We have adapted, but it is not what it used to be. Like many international students in Australia, Rajen, Monmon and Rojal all face an unpredictable future. Uh, like living in Australia, I think it's really good because of the weather and sensories and stuff like that. Monmon is in her last semester and is worried about finding work once she graduates. And I'm finishing soon, like after three months. I'm kind of really worried about my futures um, because, you know, um, right now, like, there's a travel restrictions and I cannot go back to my country. So, um, so I have to, like, um, I think, I don't know, applying some visa to keep staying living here. And so if, we, if I live here, I also need a job to support myself. And the job market for international students is really challenging right now. While Rojal is struggling to find an internship as a temporary visa holder. And I couldn't find any <laughs> because this time of the, in this pandemic, um, like people are not hiring as they used to. They, they want their employees to be uh, residents with security clearance in order to uh, get a good job in my field. The future is uncertain, but Rajan says the key is to remain positive. Because everyone's suffering and this situation out there is quite bad, but as I said, Individually, especially international students, not giving up, having that perseverance and going out of the way, being proactive and trying to gain as much experience as possible will eventually be recognized. possible with the support of 2SER Radio, the University of Technology Sydney, and is heard around Australia on the Community Radio Network. Think Sustainability is made in Sydney, which sits on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation, whose sovereignty was never ceded. You can subscribe to Think Sustainability wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julia Carcatzel. Thanks for your company.